really, you know, they talked about Katie Couric coming to take over uh, for a while, for months. And I thought, nah, CBS is not that stupid. Stupid, yeah. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here is your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 46 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today, once again, all the way from Memphis, Tennessee, from Vern Beachy Raves, Vern Beachy. Well, hello, Bill. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good. And you're here to give the news in review so far for 2006 so far yeah what six months into 2006 and and uh i did the the 2005 show last year a recap and i i pulled up my notes from that too and and some some interesting stuff but uh some new stuff as well coming up shall we go ahead and get started with the list let's do it okay here's Number one, what's the biggest story of the year so far in 2006? I think it's the Al Zarqawi killing. Um, that one was the first to come to mind, and and I guess I also added a, a number two story. It would be the Alito confirmation uh, to the Supreme Court, just because both of those stories will affect how uh, how the country acts and, and how it goes ahead from from this point on. Al-Zarqawi, yeah, uh, it was a big moral victory for us. It, it may not be the biggest victory on the ground in Iraq because uh, certainly there are people that will come up and take his place, but that was a huge moral victory victory uh, for the United States in the war in Iraq. And Alito confirmation is just uh, uh, some of the stories that have uh, taken place since the first of the year that he was a a deciding vote on. It makes a big difference on the Supreme Court and how it plays out. What's the worst news headline of the year so far? As far as uh, the worst news headline, now I got... Uh, I'm not sure exactly as 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 far as the worst news headline, the worst written. I've got a couple of uh, e- examples of that, and and they're both coming from the the same shop. As a matter of fact, uh, one about the Iowa senator Charles Grassley, and the headline was Grassley looks forward to the State of the Union speech. And I thought if that was <laughs> biggest news story of the day, I would have to hang it up and, and go home. Now repeat that once again, because I was, I was laughing through that one. Uh, the headline was, verbatim, Grassley looks forward to the State of the Union speech. 
And and that was an actual that news story. Actual news story. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, and I just thought, well, gee, okay. And another one, same shop. Um, the uh, the headline was, and this is how it read. And I guess it did intrigue me to find a little bit more about the story, but I was kind of flabbergasted when I when I read it but the headline read Senate committee says kids can give the lunch lady the finger not in my school they couldn't yeah yeah and so I read the story and the story was about kids may have to uh, uh, show their fingerprints for reduced price meals they gonna mugshot them too, or I don't know, but they can give the lunch lady the finger. How about the biggest taxpayer ripoff? Uh, you know, and it's the biggest consumer ripoff, I think too. And I looked uh, last year what what I um, you know the taxpayer ripoff last year was the rainforest in Iowa, and I think it's continuing, but not as strong as what it was last year because people i think are shying away from either hosting that or wanting to place that rainforest 150 million dollar indoor rainforest in iowa and they're they're having a hard time with that because gee they can't get matching funds from the private sector who'd have thought that's still you know Especially in Iowa. Can you see you kind of the old-fashioned Iowa co-op coffee clutch going, yeah, do you want to throw in a few hundred thousand for a rainforest? Rainforest, yeah. I'll donate my land for the rainforest. So that'll teach the kids, and certainly, you know, people from around the world would make Iowa their destination point just to see that rainforest. That's right, and they could give the lunch lady at the Rainforest Cafeteria the finger. The finger. There you go. <laughs> so is it still the, the Rainforest is the consumer and taxpayer ripoff of the uh, year? The consumer ripoff, I think, is still, I'm, I'm still going to go with gas prices because I mentioned that uh, at the recap of 05, and it's still continuing that way. They haven't come down uh, hardly at all, and they went back up, and... And I, I think, I still think that uh, consumers are getting the short end of the stick. Even though you have people say, well, it's a lot cheaper than it is in Europe, for example. Well, I'm not driving in Europe, and I remember paying, uh, you know, 95 cents a gallon for gas. So I think it, the gasoline prices are still a ripoff, and... And you look at, uh, you know, any bad information or any bad headlines worldwide will uh, cause a fluctuation in gas prices, and I, I just don't see the connection there. Here's something that I'll throw out to our listeners, and, and maybe you've caught it yourself, but on the June 18th edition of Meet the Press, Tim Russert had on John Hoffmeister from Shell James Mulva from ConocoPhillips, and David O'Reilly from Chevron. And they are trying to justify all their high prices and the $400 million perks for their 
uh, chairmans and everything else, and it, you just drop your jaw from listening to that and say, these guys either don't get it or they don't care, and probably it's both of those. Probably, and it, it continues that, uh, um, you know, e- even most recently they tried again in the news to, okay, here's why the gas prices are so high, and they're just trying to justify it. And like they were on Meet the Press, it was just, oh, it just fell on deaf ears, I'm sure. Okay, now for the biggest who cares news story that we are made to suffer through, what do you have for 2006? Uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's baby. I saw a headline um, after, right before the birth. Uh, I think it was in, if I'm not mistaken, USA Today, and the headline was, World Awaits Pitt Jolie Baby, and I, 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 could, I could walk in Memphis all day and all night and not find anybody who really cares, or the world awaiting. I certainly wasn't on pins and needles, and that was one of those... Uh, like Tom Cruise jumping on the couch last year. I, I didn't care at all. Yeah, I don't think anybody had a Jolie Pitt vigil going on. Yes. That I knew of. <laughs> Another one I had uh, that I didn't care about, and it was played up in the press ad nauseum, uh, the Dick Cheney hunting shooting incident, uh, accident. And... That was played up in the press, I think, because uh, a local reporter got there in Texas, got the information before the White House press corps did, and they were mad about that. And I think that's the only reason they kept hammering and hammering and hammering away at it, because they were upset, because they got upstaged by, uh, I think, a, a Crawford, Texas newspaper reporter. Who answered the phone. Yes, yes. And that was just beyond their comprehension. So they thought they, in plain catch-up, will dig into this and, and beat it to death, which they did. Well, the other thing that I thought was interesting was David Gregory's temper tantrum over not being involved and thinking this was a big scandal, and how could they not let the White House press corps know about this? Yes, yeah. I mean, we're here, we're the elite press, and how dare you not keep us informed? Basically, what it boils down to, Bill, on that whole thing, the press wasn't doing its job and they got caught and it embarrassed them i think that was the whole bottom line issue of that story and why it was more than a one-day story how about the best and worst tv news programs or news shows for 2006 the worst if i were to pick one the one that i wouldn't watch is uh cbs just because of their history, and and I can look at it and see their bias, you know, from ten ways to Sunday, and I just don't want to deal with it. But um, the the news on 
the Sunday or Monday, and this is normal, I understand this, is what what was said on the Sunday talk shows. And a lot of them are made just to make news. They're not really set up for an honest and forthright discussion of the events. They're just set up to make news. You know, if they don't have a blurb on the AP wire about what was on Meet the Press or Face the Nation, they didn't do something right. And it's tailored that way, and I think it that's a disservice to the, to the viewers out there. I'll put my best news show as Meet the Press. Meet the Press, uh-huh. For some reason, they get the good guests, and they get the ones that are making the news, and they're, they're beating Face the Nation to a pulp. Yes, yes. CBS, I think, is an old, tired network that needs new blood, and I don't think that Katie Curry is, is the answer to that. But, boy, I really, you know, they talked about Katie Curry coming to take over uh, for a while, for months. And I thought, nah, CBS is not that stupid. Stupid, yeah. But they were. I guess they wanted, you know, and I don't think her audience will translate or carry over to the night, you know. She's got a morning audience. Granted, uh, I don't watch her, but she's got a huge morning audience. And I don't think that will carry over to the night. Maybe at first it will, but... I think once the newness wears off, they'll settle down and say, what did we do? I think they were so mad at Dan Rather that sometimes when you when you get a really bad employee, that, yeah. that you pick somebody that's completely opposite of that person. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what they did. Yes, they did. And and when you have, have people like uh, Bob Schieffer and... Uh, uh, other CBS staffers saying, oh, yes, she's qualified. She's got a big journalism background, and she's very well qualified to do the news. You know that she's not well qualified to do the news. That's right, and it won't play in Peoria, Illinois. Yes, it won't, and I really don't think it will. Maybe right off the bat it will. People are curious. I, I guess I'll tune in to see her but that's about it i'll sample and uh i'm just not too crazy about it yeah i'll watch the car crash yeah yeah exactly (laughs) how about the worst manufactured story i think it was uh i've got two on that too and one from the same as last year but the muhammad cartoon flap was manufactured to be a whole lot bigger than it was. But who was it manufactured by? Uh, it was manufactured by the press. You think so? I mean, because I, there were there were a lot of riots out there. Yes, there were. But I think it was fueled by the press asking, uh, geez, aren't you guys upset about this? And, and you know, are, are you going to riot? If the press had nothing uh, to say about it, it wouldn't have happened, but the reason it was manufactured, I thought, there are so many examples of Muhammad cartoons before this. Once 
once the press got into it and and it made it into uh, a week's story and two weeks into a month and and people have uh, people forgot that Jesus this has happened before and this isn't new you know they didn't riot before when Muhammad uh, uh, was characterized in a cartoon because it's not like it didn't happen before it did you know and that that um was overlooked by the press and they just uh fueled them um and and you know i would i would also say the dick cheney shooting accident was a big manufactured story as well what was the best movie or best movie rental that you've seen so far for 2006 I had a weird taste in 2006. Um, it was not really movies, but I got into renting the DVDs on TV shows. And I don't have HBO, so I was, and I never did see it before. So I got uh, season one through five of The Sopranos, and and I just really got into it. So, And that's the way to watch it, I think. I can watch it. You know, one after another, in order, and no lag time if I want. If I wanted to, uh, uh, me and my wife did a, a Sopranos marathon a lot on the weekends, and we just got three or four DVDs of the Sopranos and just watched it. I, I really liked that, and we got into watching that, so our movie selection was not as as uh, widespread as it usually was because we got into the Sopranos. My movie pick for 2006, and this is a movie that's been out for a while, but it's called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Okay, okay. I was trying to think if I saw it. No, I didn't see that. It was directed by George Clooney, and I think it came out a couple years ago, but that was a really good movie, and uh, I I recommend that. I'll put that on, on my list for recommended viewing. It's called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah. I remember last year that um, you asked me the same question, and, and I had just seen 1114, and it was uh, an older movie at the time, a couple of years old when I saw it, but I was uh, enthralled by that. It, that was one of those that it was an indie film that you didn't really think much about. You, I read the synopsis, and I said, oh, i got to have that. You know, That sounds interesting, and it was. I wasn't disappointed that way. Did the 9-11 film play real big in Memphis? No. Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. In fact, we were, um, they had, um, wh- when it opened up, they had, well, they got the, the mega theater plexus here. And, like, for example, on that show, they would have probably, oh, seven or eight times during the day that you could see it starting early in the day and and run into the night uh, because obviously they expected a lot of people in full theaters all the time but within a day or two it was down to regular showing so you know and people didn't really talk about it much because quite honestly uh, I got just as much I haven't seen the movie and maybe I'm speaking out of turn on this and, and not knowing, but I got a lot of 
what I thought the movie was about by watching A&E or Discovery. They had specials on it. Um, I thought they were very good, but the movie uh, died a quick death in the in the theater. It seemed like, and it wasn't much of a of a barn burner. No, it it was one of those that uh, you you really needed to prepare yourself to go see. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I wanted to sit through two hours of this terrible event being thrown at you that you had lived through it maybe five years ago on a different level and different perspective. Yeah, and you know if you if you've got internet access, you can um, gee, see all kinds of. 9-11 conspiracy stuff, and yeah, one I was... Oh, don't get me started on the 9-11 conspiracy stuff. Oh, man. It yeah. was, there was one, a, a two-hour uh, film on uh, the 9-11 conspiracy that I don't know why, but I clicked on it and watched just to see where that they would, where they would go with it. And, you know, according to them, it was all the U.S., Businessmen's and Bush's fault that people died. So I said, nah, nah, nah. And they they take their. It, it, it's like the Da Vinci Code. They take a few things and blow it out of proportion. And that's another movie I didn't see that I think died a quick death down here too. So what's your opinion on 9/11 conspiracy? Plausible or not plausible? Not plausible. On any level? Uh, no, I don't think, because the biggest one where um, I, I delved into it a lot more is uh, the Pentagon attack. And I'm, I, I can see why people had concerns about the Pentagon attack, and it wasn't a plane, it was a missile, or... Uh, the Twin Towers, you know, they had explosions. That's why the towers came down so quickly. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it was just a combination of uh, a perfect hit. And I really don't uh, subscribe on any level to the 9-11 conspiracies. And, you know, if there were charges detonated in the World Trade Towers and yeah, that's why it brought it down so quickly. You know, even a uh, a staged demolition wouldn't go that quickly, is what people were saying. And I just, I just don't see a the motive, and uh, um, I, I just don't see it at all. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Well, this administration can't cover up having the vice president shoot some guy in the face. That's right. How are they going to cover up a multi-level, multi-tiered uh, Bringing conspiracy. down the World Trade Center, you know. Right. Uh, no, it's just... And the people that that uh, perpetuate that are just um, bush haters anyhow from the word go. And that's, uh, that's all they see and that's all they know. Um why that is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. How about the hose bag of the year? Hose bag of the year. I, I would have to say Al Gore. Because? Because of his uh, movie and global warming 
and he thinks he's ahead of the curve on that and his um yeah the movie it, he's the same as Michael Moore in the same category I put them two in the same category uh it was Michael Moore last year with Fahrenheit 9/11 all the lies and then uh Al Gore's an inconvenient truth and I don't think there's much truth in in the movie from what I've read I haven't seen it but from all the criticisms or even you know people who liked it uh what he says in the movie is just you know as far from anything truthful but he did invent the internet so maybe he knows <laughs> I had down John Murtha as Hosebag of the Year. Yeah, yeah, I got him as uh, number two. And the third one, you know, if if I put, uh, if I were to rank him, I put Cynthia McKinney uh, behind John Murtha at, like, number three. She was the Georgia lawmaker that uh, uh, hit hit a Capitol police officer when she was running trying to get to Congress and, so I put her there, and, and then right behind that is Ray Nagin for his Chocolate City comment. How about a small story that needed more attention? Uh, corruption at the U.N. Uh, it wasn't a small story. It got some play, but not not as much as what is there, I think. I think if uh, reporters dig into it, and they're giving Kofi Annan a pass because he's on his way out anyhow but I think that could be a huge story if if um, you know people well, if reporters paid attention to it and and went from there because I just don't think the uh, well there's a lot more to the corruption than what we know about you know oil for food program notwithstanding everything else that goes on at the UN, and if I was, if I was Bush, I'd say I'd pull every every dime that the U.S. has pledged to the UN. That would basically bankrupt uh, the organization uh, to the detriment of some of the humanitarian aid that they do. But um, I think something needs to be done to clean it up. How about political figure of the year? Are you still standing by George Bush? Yeah. I still am because I don't think there's anybody else that will outshine him. I have a couple different ones. Okay. I've got uh, Representative William Jefferson and Representative Cynthia McKinney. Ah, ah. See, they're political figures of the year for a nefarious reason. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But. You know, uh, Jefferson had, uh, there was a story in the New York Times recently that he was the, that said basically he's the butt of the jokes in his district, you know, and. I wonder why. Yeah, because he had $90,000 in bundles of cash in his freezer. You could just start there and, and go on up, you know, or on down, whatever you say. Brings meaning to the phrase, cold, hard cash. That's right. And that was uh, uh, the New York Times story, if you read it, it. It basically said, you know, 
he's the butt of jokes, and, and they say, okay, you know, everything that comes up that uh, it's centered around $90,000 in his freezer. But, you know, the people, his constituents, uh, he said his constituents expect him to bring home the bacon because he's from New Orleans, you know, and after Hurricane Katrina, it, he, I guess he felt like he got a pass or should have gotten a pass. Uh, instead, they stripped him of his Ways and Means Committee assignment, and uh, that that's a pretty big deal because he can say where the money goes. Right in the freezer. Yes. <laughs> $90,000 worth. How about the, for the final question, someone you'd like to see spontaneously combust? I would say John Murtha, just because. Um, boy, he thinks he's got the the solutions to Iraq, but yet uh, he and others like him just like to criticize. And you know, there's no solutions coming forward, and he just needs to take a back seat. And have you ever heard of Mirtha before? What six, eight months ago? No, no. You know, what What did he do before then if he was just known for complaining about Iraq? I'd hate to have that on, on my resume. And now all of a sudden he's running for different levels on the Democratic Party. So it, it, there seems to be some sort of motive there of why he's protesting, and it's just so he can be this leader to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm the one everybody's talking about. Come join me. Uh-huh. Exactly, and he and he likes to contrast himself with. Well, I don't know if he does, but the press does. You know, you got Hillary Clinton on one end and John Murtha on the other, and they're both one and the same, wishy-washy. And just what have you done before this? You know, what have you done for us lately, Murtha? You've been in in Congress a long time. What is your claim to fame? Well, I pounded my fist on the desk talking about George Bush and Iraq. But most of the Democrats don't like him because he's considered a conservative Democrat. Yeah, yeah. And uh, most of the Democratic Party now is more more uh, of the liberal left wing, and that's they think they're going to make gains in this year in November, but I think it's going to be the opposite. The people I'd like to see spontaneously combust in 2006, Osama bin Laden, during one of his tapings, uh-huh. you know, they got a close-up and he's pounding his fist and then boom. Uh-huh. That, that would be pretty cool. And a defiant Saddam. Yes. Well, you know, he said just recently that Americans will probably vote him as as president of Iraq. I'm voting him as the person I'd like to see spontaneously combust in 2006. Yeah. As you remember the headline recently, um, uh, Saddam abandons hunger strike after he missed one meal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, they're feeding him good in that prison. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he missed one meal and those hunger pangs just just got to him so that's right no nutra system for saddam yeah <laughs>
Hey, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the mic over to you, Vern, and you get to ask me three questions, so fire away. Okay, I've got um, one political, political related and another's not. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with what was your worst dining experience? Worst dining experience was when I went to a Chinese restaurant and I was in a it was a it was a business meeting and I ordered sweet and sour chicken and when the waitress came out she dumped the entire plate of sweet and sour chicken onto my coat. <laughs> now yeah. Having done that. Yeah. Yeah. What made it the worst was that she didn't bring out a towel for about three minutes. Oh. And charged me for the meal and did not offer in any way, shape, or form to clean the coat. Oh, no. Last time I went there. So <laughs> we, we all joke about that now that dinner is on me. <laughs> that would do it. On the flip side, then, number two, what was your best? dining experience. I remember having a great meal at Ebbets Bar and Grill out in Washington, D.C. And I don't know what it was, whether it was the night or the evening or whatever it was, but for some reason the atmosphere was really great. There were a lot of political figures in the bar, and the steak was wonderful. So I, I remember that evening very, very well. Okay, okay. How about for you? Uh, best dining experience is uh, my wife and I, our favorite restaurant here in Memphis is Amerigo. It's an Italian restaurant, and um, we tried to find uh, a bad entree on there, and we tried them all, and we couldn't. And the service was impeccable always, and it was just Anytime we went there, we knew we were going to have a great experience and a great meal. And the worst dining experience, nobody dumped anything on me, but it was at the tavern in Des Moines, a pizza, pizza uh, place. And uh, the girl I was seeing at the time, she was very picky. She couldn't just order something off the menu and she had to substitute this for that and that for this and 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 is the sausage chopped up fine or coarse you know and if it's coarse she wanted it fine and if it was fine you know make it a little bit more it was, uh, it was a nightmare for the waitress and <laughs> that was probably my worst dining experience What's the next question? Next question. What are your predictions for the midterm elections? What do you think will happen? Oh, I think the Democrats are going to screw it up, and we're going to be at the same ratio for Republicans versus Democrats that we have today. Yeah, I do too. I think it's going to be a wash, not a net gain. Really, if anybody, I think the net gain may be the Republicans because the Democrats are— uh, even just a month ago, they were looking at, you know, taking control of both houses of Congress in in, in November. But I think that's a, a long shot at best, and I don't think they'll even come close. Right, because there are going to be some states where 
it's going to flip-flop. But, for, for example, in Iowa, I don't see Harkin going away, and I don't see Grassley going away. Yeah. It, 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 everybody in Iowa is going to be there for the next term. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be for the majority of states. Yeah, yeah. You think, uh, well, Iowa's got a Democratic governor now. You think it'll be Republican? You know, they got to get somebody to run against the guy first. The last couple of folks that they've run through, even through the primaries, you're just saying, okay, you know, were they not doing anything else? Yeah, yeah. There, there's been no strong candidate to go against Vilsack. And Vilsack coming into the office was just more of a vote of saying, hey, you know, we've had Terry Brandstand for huh? umpteen years, and we'd like a Democrat instead of a Republican. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Vilsack's probably wishing he wouldn't have said he wouldn't run again. But I don't think he has, you know, he, he's he got uh, higher aspirations. Uh, he's talked about in 2008 presidential, but I don't think that's a, I think that's a long shot at best for him. Uh, yeah, he's he's not a player. And the, the big dogs in the Democratic Party, the Hillary's and Murtha's yeah. and the Feingold's and that, uh-huh. They're not going to let him in. No, no, they're not. And and Howard Dean is not going to uh, be very forthcoming with with party uh, resources and stuff for somebody like Vilsack. Vern, do you want to tell about your blog once again for maybe some first time readers, and also encourage everybody else to get on the Vern Beachy Raves bandwagon? Uh, absolutely. Um, I do a, a blog. You can get it at, uh, I got a link on my website, uh, vernbeachy.com. And I just, I'm a news junkie. I've been, uh, I had been a reporter for 17 years and always was a news junkie. And I never did get out of that, even though I haven't been in radio since 1999. But I just, surf around about 60 or 70 news sites a day usually i got a morning routine and whatever trips my trigger i will blog about it and and talk about it and i'm you know uh, i don't have uh, any figures like the drudge report but uh, i get about a hundred or 120 a day you know people reading and commenting and and uh, i i just have fun doing it because there's a lot of things to talk about I think and I uh, I do it you know it, it's not like well maybe I'll do an entry this week um, I do it several times a day even on the weekends and stuff so it's usually always fresh and I encourage you to uh, your listeners and stuff to check it out and you can get it uh, from my website at vernbeachy.com Vern, thank you so much for being our guest this week on You Are the Guest. Thank you, Bill. Do you find yourself wondering just what the hell is going on in Washington, D.C.? Do you lie awake at night, fearful of what right-wing plot is being hatched to further undermine your freedoms? And does the prospect of American citizens being arrested and held in secret government prisons, turn your stomach? Well, have we got a show for you. 
is the Left Wing Nut Job Podcast, where in every episode, we tackle these tough issues and more, delving into the harsh reality of what it's like to live in a country whose president is unable to properly eat a pretzel. So tune in to the Left Wing Nut Job Podcast. You can find us on the web at leftwingnutjob.com or in your favorite podcast directory. The Left Wing Nut Job Podcast. Saying the things you only wish the political pundits had the cojones to say. If you'd like to be a guest, it's real easy to find out how. Just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com and click Be the Guest for all the details. That takes care of another edition of You Are the Guest. From the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.